I had seen TV ads for this movie, uh, but for some reason the TV ads did not click with me. I had no interest in seeing this. I was not I was not bugging my parents to see it, um, but my parents had seen it and said, you know, you might like this. Hello, fellow geeks. Welcome to the Story Geeks podcast, and thank you for joining us. You are part of a small but influential group of people we call Story Geeks. Fans of science fiction, fantasy, and comic books who love to dig deeper into geek stories to see how they impact us and the culture around us. These aren't just stories that help us escape. These stories shape our world. How? That's what we're discussing today. Don't forget to click the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future Story Geeks content. And as always, we want to hear from you. So follow us on Facebook or Twitter and send us your thoughts and opinions by commenting or emailing. If you like this podcast, be sure to share it with a geek friend. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Shear, and this podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. For more information about the Story Geeks podcast and other Reclamation Society projects, visit www.reclamationsociety.org. Now, let's dive into this week's episode. All right, excited to be back in the Star Wars universe as we've been doing our Star Wars series. And today we're going to be talking about A New Hope. And I have two very special guests. They're both named Michael. So I will have to be calling them by their last names this entire show, which is totally fine with me. But it does make it sound very, very formal. So just just be aware of that as I go through this. The first guest we have is Michael Gordon. He is one of the hosts of the Earth Station One podcast, your source for all things geek. He is also a writer of the Tiki Zombie series of comics. So welcome to the show, Michael Gordon. Howdy. Now tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about where they can find some of your stuff, get in touch with you, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, sure, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, the, uh, of course, I am one of the co-hosts of the Earth Station One weekly podcast, uh, part of the Earth Station One ESO network, if you will. Uh, also, I'm a co-host of uh, Earth Station Who, which is a Doctor Who theme podcast, but that's not extremely relevant for our discussion tonight. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, yes, the ESO is a weekly podcast, pop culture. We do interviews. We have a magazine format. My co-host, director Mike Faber, uh, started that podcast uh, seven, seven, eight years ago, something like that. Wow! And I've been on it for about uh, seven, seven, uh, a little over seven years. So uh, that's always fun. Uh, it comes out every week. And then yes, uh, I've got uh, my writing projects. I'm a uh, publisher and a writer uh, tiki zombie comics is probably the one i'm most m- known for but i've got some other stuff too and uh, you can find all of that information at uh, newlegendmike.com which is also your twitter twitter handle correct yeah it's pretty much everything yeah. twitter uh instagram uh facebook uh, new legend mike is pretty much my handle across the board so i'm glad that, that no one else ha- i had to fight anybody else for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's always good uh, the other guest I have on today, um, and you've heard Michael Gordon before if you listen to the podcast at all, because he's actually done a couple podcasts with me. We did uh, Sheriff of Babylon, both the first so and second. So good. So much fun. Thank Absolutely. Yeah. Great time. We had a great time on that one. And you've also heard this other guest before because he was on our very first Star Wars podcast. And so he had to suffer through 
the Phantom Menace with us, <laughs> which I'm just teasing. We all love Star Wars, but obviously if you're going to talk about Star Wars, that's usually not people's favorite movie. Uh, but no, Michael Young. And Michael is the founder of Nerd Soul and one of the hosts of the Jedi Alliance podcast. Michael has probably, now both Michael and, um, both Mike Gordon and Mike Young have this really broad selection of geek properties um, that they know about and, and deal with. But I have to say, Mr. Young, you have one of the broadest categories. Whenever I'm like listening, listening to your show or watching your show, I'm like, wow, I did not even know this was a thing. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Michael Young. How are you? Hey, guys, I'm doing fine. It's good to be here talking about Star Wars once again. Absolutely, yeah. Where, where can people find some of your stuff? I know you've got a YouTube channel, you're on Twitter. Where else can people find you? Well, on YouTube, you can find me at NerdSoul, which is just N-E-R-D-S-O-U-L, which is one word. My website is That Nerd Soul, which is T-H-A-T-N-E-R-D-S-O-U-L. And That Nerd Soul is on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find me all around, either posting up pictures of like geek stuff that I'm doing or talking about movies, uh, comic books, and all that good stuff. Um, and if you really, really love Star Wars and can't get enough and you want some more on Sundays, I am on Jedi Alliance uh, at 7 p.m. PST uh, on Popcorn Talk Network talking about Star Wars, you know, like running down books, novels, comic books, uh, Star Wars news, all of that good stuff. Oh, yeah. You guys are, you guys are always fun to listen to, always laughing about stuff. It's always a good time. Um, All right, so we're going to go ahead and dive into it. Normally I say this is a spoiler-free portion of the show, but this movie is 40 years old. So I'm not going to worry too much about spoilers. If you haven't seen Star Wars, first of all, get out from under the rock you've been living under and go watch it. Um, But yeah, so we'll probably spoil things even in this review uh, portion of the show. And I'm going to start with Mr. Young in this regard and I'm going to ask him where does this film rank in your list of Star Wars films? In my list of Star Wars films this has to come I want to put it second but I have to say first Return of the Jedi is really my favorite Mm. but I'd say this is first because this is the grandfather this is the reason that we're here so this has to be my number one but return of the jedi is definitely like a 1b but uh yeah i i definitely say this is number one among all of them because this just it's just done so well and i watched it again uh today just to just to enjoy it and i've seen it so many times and i still see new things or i still just like man that was so cool oh that's so nice and just even to see the droids look as good as they do because and realizing how old it is, you're just like, man, this is this is a well put together movie. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. What about you, Mr. Gordon? Uh, Where do I you rank this film. I would rank this number one as well. Um, it's all been downhill from here. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, we're you know, and and we'll get into the nuts and bolts of it. I'm sure because you could argue that um, that the quality uh, on uh, some of the others is is much improved especially when it comes to special effects, even when it comes to storytelling and dialogue and, and other uh, aspects of filmmaking. But um, there's, there's something just so magical about this one. Um, it, and it could be just because I saw this one first. But I do believe that since it is um, the, one, the only one of, the, of any of the movies that's self-contained, 
that this is really the one that you really like is serves as a great introduction to this universe and uh it just has everything you could you could want really yeah yeah it's very very true now for me it actually is a tied for third right now. Wow. Um, I, I, I totally agree with everything that you guys are saying. And, and I'm not sure we'll get into some of this in the, in the next few questions. But um, I'm one of those Empire Strikes Back first fans. Okay. Um, so this ties, ties for third for me. Actually tied with The Force Awakens. And I think some of that is really probably not fair because you're looking at a 40 year old film comparative to a year old film year and a half old film and so some of the special effects are just going to be a little different some of the conventions of film are going to be a little different but i have a massive amount of respect for this film so we're dealing with three people who are huge fans of what's going on in this film which is awesome so now i'll also go to you uh mr gordon Quality rating, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being best. What's your quality rating for A New Hope? Uh, I'm going to give it a 10. Um, I, I, it, it, look, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to even pretend to be objective. <laughs> 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 um, as far as, I mean, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not jaded enough to say that uh, it doesn't have its flaws because it does. And, you know, it, but I, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's like even the, I love even the flaws now. Like it's, I've gotten to the point where everything is just, um, beautiful in this movie. Um, and I can watch it as, as Mike just said, I can watch it so many times. I've seen this movie maybe more than I've seen any other movie in my entire life. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and it, you know, if it's playing, and um, and I see it playing. No matter where it is, I will stop and I will watch it. Um, it it's just one of those things where I, I can't stop. And and uh, you know, the, for the time being, or for the at the time, the special effects were so far yeah. uh, advanced. Oh yeah. So um, where we might look at them now and go, yeah, those those weren't as good. I mean, we're talking about the original theatrical release now, not you know the special editions. But we can get into that a little bit if you want. But but. Um, you know, for the time, it it just was mind blowing. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. What about you, Mister Young? What would you What do you put this at? This is a ten. I was blown away when I was little, and I was blo- and I'm still blown away. Even when I when I was watching it this morning, you know, I would watch it and then pause it, and you know, talk about certain things. And the first thing I paused the movie within like the first five minutes or so because the situation with Darth Vader. In a lot of movies, you know, because, and this is no, no diss to writers, but a lot of times they want to tell you something instead of showing it. Sure. Um, and imagining that we've never seen any of the other films, they show Darth Vader come in, immediately choke a guy to death, throw him to the ground and say, search for everyone else. They show you, this is the guy. You know, they show you so many, there's so many things that they just show. Like even, you know, the ship, when the ship is coming in at the beginning, they show how huge the empire is. Like they show you things in this that are just visually, they tell the story and they don't shortchange the viewer. Like they have to, like they have to spoon feed it to you. They just show you. And I love that type of storytelling where they're, they're able to let you understand it on your own. Right. Um, and just like the characters, the mon- the moments that are funny that don't need a drum roll to it or, a, a, you know, <laughs> like a, it's like it's you imagine these natural people 
in this situation where you know you have this princess she's a little mouthy you have this guy that's just paid to take them there um you have this old man that's like i guess i'm back in the game and then you have this young kid who's sort of lost everything and but already wanted to be part of the rebellion sort of anyway so there's all of these normal characters they're not overplayed but they're also you know fully realized characters they have their own issues with each other their own issues with the empire this that and the third and it just it plays out well in a story that you're interested in you end up caring about the people involved about you know even the droids like you're like hey c3po he's kind of annoying but he's lovable Mm -hmm. you know uh or r2d2 you know he's saying something smart but it's kind of funny um and those are the things those are things that make a great movie and the thing that makes it a 10 is its replay value uh like gordon said like hey you can watch this over and over and i think that's a mark of a great film like i know there's there's certain films that get oscars but you can't really watch it again and those are good too in their own place but something needs to be said about replay value and this movie has it in spades i I love i love what you said there about um about it, it being um it just you know it introduces you this movie introduces you to so much yet it spends so little time on exposition <laughs> yeah. and so, i mean you just go right into it and it 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 does use a lot of shortcuts it does use a lot of shortcuts yeah. to get you there but yet it uses them so well that it just it, this this is a movie that because it moves yeah. yeah it does and i so okay so i'm i'm going to be I'm gonna take off my fanboy <laughs> hat for a minute um, oh, because I, I I actually agree that for for 1977 it was most definitely a 10 out of 10. Um, and all I have to say about the, all I have to say about it is almost all positive. The only negative that I have in here is that I do believe that there are some weaknesses in the script which make make their way into some of the dialogue and things like that. But for the most part, like I just I think this film is fantastic. Now. It's interesting because I've been looking at the original trilogy through the eyes of younger folks recently because we've had Seth Fontaine on the program, we had Shannon McCarter on the program, and they're like, you know, um, college age, just out of college. And so their exposure to Star Wars is more from a prequel standpoint than it is from an original trilogy standpoint, which we can all mourn that fact for just a moment, but then we need to move on. And, you know, I do see why if you were watching this film not from a standpoint of when we all saw this film which is pretty close to when it came out but rather you know 30 years later i can see some of the things where you're like well yeah i mean that's not the best special effect in the world what's insane to me is how great the special effect still is um which is phenomenal. Uh, but I do, I do think that this is a, a just really fantastic film. One of the things that um, I kept doing as I'd watched it this time, I kept going, and then they, yeah, that's right, then they introduced us to this concept. And that was amazing for his time. There's so many times where they do that. I, I would go out on a limb here and just say, I think that the opening scene, so I'm not talking about like an opening sequence or anything like that, but just literally how the movie opens it's got to be the best opening scene in cinematic history. Um, it's phenomenal with the Star Destroyer rolling across. Um, you know, the screen is just amazing, and it gives this 
breadth and depth to a film that's going to introduce you to so many new things and so many new concepts that have really changed science fiction. Um, so yeah, it's fantastic. There's no question. But I, I can see that if you, you know, if you come into this from a different time period and you're looking at it and you're going, yeah, it's all pretty good, but it's still, you know, 40 years old. Um, I can see that, but I hope that doesn't let, get in the way of people's enjoyment of it because it's pretty amazing. Um, all right, so let's move on to the next. The next uh, rating we always do is story depth. So, uh, Mr. Young, I will start with you first. On a scale of 1 to 10, how deep do you think this story is? Um, I probably place this around a 7.5 to an 8 because it's easy for the younger kids to get into. But what it does is it provides threads to themes that are deeper. Mm. Um, so what it does is it's like, oh, on the surface, oh, you got, you know, the Empire, and they're just the bad guys. You know, oh, you know, the, the Lars family was, you know, taken from Luke. Oh, you know, it's just like a, a quick shot or a quick scene. But then, you know, if you want to pull at that thread, it's like, okay, so you have this overbearing government that is oppressing people. Or you can say that this guy just lost the only family, which was already extended family that he already had. You know, so as a youth, I didn't pick up on that. I was just like, man, now he has to go with them and this and the third, you know, because I was younger. But I think it provides the threads to go deeper if you want. Um, so I'd say probably around a seven and a half, maybe as far as being deep. But it does give you the opportunity to take it deeper if you want, mm. um, which I think is really good because it gives you the wonder of, you know, like, you know, the fantastical, you know, the, the kind of childlike element to just go on an adventure. But then it gives you something as an adult that if you really want to break down Star Wars, like how this how this world is, how the Outer Rim was, you know, how the situation that Han was in, you know, where he has to kill people in broad daylight, you know, the kind of life that he's living, you know, that like those types of things you can talk about, but it doesn't force you to deal with it really. Mm. It just lets you know like this is what's going on, but we're gonna stay with this story, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Mr. Gordon? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a ten. Um and and the reason I'm gonna give it a ten is because it's not as you mentioned, there's some there's some parts in the script that are um, you know, that are a little problematic. Um and it is it's really simple in its presentation. But I do think that that simplicity is 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 a little bit uh, misleading, because there's a lot of depth there. Um, I recently George appeared at um, the most recent celebration, uh, Star Wars celebration in Orlando, that was mm -hmm. celebrating the 40, mm -hmm. uh, 40 years. And uh, when he was on stage, he says uh, he he confessed that uh, he said I'm not supposed to say this. But I'm not supposed to. I wasn't supposed to say it then. Uh, but this film is for twelve-year-olds. Uh, mm. He says, "When you're twelve-year-old, twelve years old, you're about to enter the real world. You're probably scared. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, and here's a little idea: of the things you should pay attention to: friendship, honesty, trust, living on the dark side, avoiding um, living on the light side, avoiding the dark side." And and I was I was listening to him say this, and I'm like, I have never. Ooh heard him say this before and this is absolutely you know i mean he's absolutely right and uh there's so much else going on here there's a lot of things that 
this movie just taps into. I mean, where it looks simplistic, much like other great films, like, you know, classic films like Wizard of Oz, or that are all ages. Not necessarily for kids, but all ages. Yeah. It, it's simplistic in its storytelling, but yet it's able to tap something much deep within us. And for that, it, it's that's not easy to do. That's not easy to do at all. And uh, for him to do it so successfully on such a grand scale... Um, more so than I think any any of the other Star Wars movies are. I, I just I have to give props for that. Yeah, and I never thought about it, but that's a perfect example of you know just the how much he understood what he made because yes. yeah, this is this is kind of a it's a coming of age story for Luke. Absolutely, you know it definitely is him walking into kind of like his manhood, um, even though he might be thrust into it sort of. But, yeah, I never looked at it like that, you know, and it definitely lets you know that George Lucas wasn't just like, hey, I got this great idea. Let's do this. In a way, this is just I mean, it's a big budget American graffiti, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Well, I would say uh, from my standpoint, I kind of agree with Michael Young in in the regard that if you want to just escape to this film, you can. It's not forcing you to go any deeper. However, I really respect the fact that the the depth is there if you want it. Um, because he doesn't just, you know, a lot of filmmakers these days, they'll leave a, a particular element of storytelling or of, of depth, right? They'll leave it out. They'll say, well, we're not really addressing spirituality in this film, so we're just going to leave that out. Or they'll say, we're not really addressing, like, you know, relational depth in this film. So we'll just leave it out. And they and they tend to get a little bit more focused. But what George has done in this film is he's included elements of all of those things. So despite the fact that we could look at this film and say, oh, wow, it's so foreign to us. We've never seen anything like it before. Instead, it's so rich in its detail that not only have we seen it before, but we can actually resonate with it because we've seen some of these principles occur to us uh, before, so it's not beating us over the head with those things. It's not like I, I would contrast it with, like, let's say the the Dark Knight, right? That is a film that's saying we need to think about some societal things here. We need to think about order. We need to think about chaos. We need to think about how we engage with justice and corruption. This film is basically saying we're going to take you on an adventure, but if you want to go deeper, you can, which I think. Just really amazing and really well done the entire time. So I'm going to say a seven out of ten, but most certainly will um, agree with Mr. Gordon that um, and Mr. Young that there is so much depth here if we want to explore it. Um, so good, yeah. That was, that was fun. That was a fun little question. Not, normally you don't get that deep on that one, but hey, why not? It's about depth. Come on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So now. now Normally, I go through and get everyone's rating on this, but is anybody not a 10 on likelihood to refer? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, you know, shout it from the mountaintops. <laughs> I, well, okay, for those few individuals out there that have not seen Star Wars New Hope, yeah. and even fewer that are listening to this now that yeah, have yeah. not seen it, see it. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Like you have to, you have to go see it. Yeah, I, so I that's we're I all tens. I, I, yeah, I can only, I can't even think of any other movie you should see before this. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's you know, it's just solid. It's just a solid film. It really is. 
Just, oh, no, that's a good question, man. I'm going to be thinking about that the rest of this show. <laughs> like, is there a movie that someone's just seen before this? Oh, that is good. <laughs> yeah, if you're, especially if, you know, and if you're a young kid that's into, like, you know, fantasy and the wonder and the, and the you know, adventure, I can't think of another movie that would, like, check all of your boxes. You know, cool fight scenes, chasing, chasing people, uh, weird aliens, funny droids, you know, like, uh, it's, it's got everything. It checks all the boxes, and it does it well. And compelling characters. Yeah. Uh, you know, the main, you know, the, the Luke, Leia, Han and group, you know, uh, is, I think, one of the best group of characters that we've ever seen on the screen. I could watch Adventures of Them, like, you know, till eternity. Yeah, definitely. Like though the and I know this might get a little sad, but it's it kind of makes me wish that we could have seen them all together once more. Yes. Um, yes. I yes. really I was really expecting to see that in Force Awakens, and then I was like, well, maybe we'll get it in Episode Eight. Nope. Um, and then of course we you know of course the way Force Awakens ended, we definitely wouldn't see that, and then of course after we really wouldn't see that yeah, so yeah, no, that, yeah yeah so it just it's unfortunate because those those three kind of really just sparked something special yeah those um, they were my they that's what i that's more than the special effects more than anything else that's what i fell in love with with star wars a new hope was when i first saw it was those characters and that's why I read the books. That's why I collected the comics. That's why I, you know, that's what drew me to go to the, see the other movies. And, you know, with the other three, we get we get sequences where they all work together, and which is really fun. Uh, but then, you know, that's it. And so I think my biggest disappointment with to go into Force Awakens, we don't we don't get that. And mm. and and I walked out of there very disappointed in that alone. Now there were some other things I've come to enjoy about that movie but i i really was disappointed that i didn't get to see my old friends working together again yeah Absolutely. yeah star wars fans we are giving away two very special star wars prizes to reclamation society email subscribers if you subscribe to the reclamation society's email updates you are entered to win the art of rogue one but Thanks to a special donation from Daryl Smith, who is also one of the other hosts of the Story Geeks podcast, we have a second prize, a never-before-watched copy of The Phantom Menace on VHS. That means we have two super cool collector's items, and all you have to do is subscribe to our email updates, which, by the way, you should do anyways. So, go visit www.reclamationsociety.org, and you can enter to win there. The link is in the show notes, so go subscribe now. All right, so we're going to get really deep into this film, but not quite yet. Before we get there, um, I, I want to know a little bit of context into how you guys have experienced this film. So first, Mr. Young, is this the first Star Wars film you saw, or did you see one of the other Star Wars films first? Yes, I saw this one first, uh, and it was on like TNT or something like that, like way back. Um, and for for any of the anyone under say like twenty five or twenty, TNT, TBS, USA, they were like the original Netflix. Like all they would do 
is pretty much play movies all day long. And, you know, that would be the perfect place to see, like, Star Wars or Back to the Future. They would run that all the time. Or they were, you know, like uh, Indiana Jones. They would run those movies, like, all the time. And I ended up seeing this movie. Um, I don't think I saw it from the beginning, though. Because you know how you're just flipping around channels and you see something on you're like, oh, this is cool. So I watched it to the end and my mind was blown. Um, and ever since then, I've loved it. And of course, that was one of those days where they played, uh, you know, four, five, and six uh, back to back. Mm. Um, so the rest of that day, I just sat down watching TV on one of the TVs where you had to turn and it would click, like to the <laughs> next, the, uh, like it would click to go to the next, <laughs> the next channel. And it was like it had like twelve channels and all. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I I was in love with it. It was just it was so cool, and I just really enjoyed it. And I was just one of those kids that was like primed to watch that. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so okay. So, and we're gonna get into that a little bit more in the next question. But, Mr. Gordon, is this the first film that you saw in the Star Wars universe? Oh yeah, this is 1977, man. This is ah oh, nice, in, in, nice. In the theater, I was uh, eight years old. Yeah. Oh wow. So uh, eight, yeah, I was eight years old. Yep. And uh, all right. So funny story. Um, yeah. Is that. Uh, uh, when I saw this movie, my parents had seen it first. Uh, they saw it uh, about a month before I did. Um, and uh, they went to the theater with some friends of theirs, and they saw it, and they came back. Now, I had seen TV ads for this uh, this movie, uh, but for some reason, the TV ads did not click with me. I had no interest in seeing this. I was not. <laughs> I was not bugging my parents to see it. I was not one of those kids that was like, I gotta go, I gotta go, take me. But... Um, but my parents had seen it and said, you know, you might like this. Because I was really into comics and stuff at the time. So, um, uh, so they dropped myself and my sister, who's three years younger than I am, by the way, uh, off to a theater to see it. Um, they paid nice. for our tickets. They escorted us into the theater. And then they sort of, they didn't feel like watching it again. So they, they waited outside while we watched it. Um, and uh, since my sister was six... Uh, she um, constantly had to well she had to be escorted every time she went to the restroom which had to be about 16 times <laughs> so, so I didn't see a lot of it the first time I saw it interesting but uh, and about 1978 I went again because it was still playing it was playing in theaters for years um, and uh, it was about six months after that or something like that I saw it again with some friends and uh I really remember that. That's the viewing I remember the most. Uh, yeah. So, it's interesting because I actually don't remember if this is the first one I saw. For some reason, I think I may have seen Return of the Jedi first. I was born in 1981, so any one of these films I would have seen, it would have been one of those. It would have been one yeah. of like the way that Michael described or Michael Young described it. That's the way that I would have experienced it. Like it was on TV or it was something. Yeah, because right? I was I was born in '82. Okay. So. Okay. You know, it was TV was the only option that I had. Exactly. <laughs> it's like it's like actually the people who have seen it in the theater in 1977. It's sort of like I just have I just see them in awe. So so Mr. Gordon, now you are now like a hero, a hero to me.
you know, when I first saw this question, it was like, did you see the Star Wars film? You know, did you see another Star Wars film first? I'm like, who would like how like like it just was it, it would, I could uh, you know I had to get my head around it like how are people watching other ones first you know yeah <laughs> that was just funny. so not an option uh, when I was young yeah but by the same token uh, I do actually you know I am honored that I did get to experience in that uh, because yeah now I'm I'm finding that so many people didn't have that experience and I do recommend. Yeah. Uh, I do recommend that you know that's that's how most people should should see it these these movies. I think that the first one is yeah. Yeah, we're actually going to do a, a, a separate podcast on what order you should watch them in and like and analyze the different orders just to see. But yeah, I tend I tend to agree with you, so I won't give too much of a spoiler alert to that podcast. But um, <laughs> definitely watch this one first. Now, let's just get. We've already talked about this a lot, but. What was some of your initial reaction? Like, so, Mr. Gordon, we'll start with you. What was some of your initial reaction? Like, you're walking out of the theater and, like, how are you feeling? How are you thinking? Uh, this movie, uh, and I already mentioned that, you know, when I saw it in 77 at first, it, it, it was kind of broken up, so I didn't really experience it as fully until a few months later. But let me tell you that this movie changed my life. Uh, mm. This movie changed my life. I was into comics and uh, adventure stories before that uh, I was a big fan of things like Batman and, and mm. Super Friends and all that kind of stuff uh, I read comics uh, I read books too I was a pretty avid reader after I saw this movie I said nope I'm just watching movies from now on no just kidding um, I, <laughs> I, but this this opened my eyes to worlds and places that movies could take me that I that I did not know was possible um it was it was absolutely amazing. It, this was, I was I was hooked for life on not only Star Wars but this whole geeky adventure uh, that I've been on. Um, it really was a life changer, and I, I think the spectacle of it sure had a lot to do with it. Certainly, the characters did. Uh, I I related to Luke, um, even at my young age. I related to Luke, um, but I thought Han was cool. I, I I had funny feelings towards Leia. Like I just like like I, it was just like like and you know, I was I was afraid of Vader. Like everything worked, and the whole country, if not the whole world, was. It was at a time when all of us were falling in love with it. We were all grabbing everything we could. Oh, there's a soundtrack. Grab it. You know. Oh, there's a there's a novelization. Grab that. Read that. You know. Oh, there's a comic book. Grab that. Ooh, a T-shirt. You know. I mean, you couldn't make enough merchandise. To, to, to sell to us at the time it was unbelievable I mean you know Star Wars fever was crazy and I was so glad to be part of that yeah definitely what about you Mr. Young well really quick question for Gordon like how was it in the actual theater like were people like excited and cheering and stuff or by the time that I saw it again I saw it in 78 I think most people had seen it the first time so I do think the people that were going, because, and and this might be like a surprise to people who are younger, but, you know, we didn't have replay, we didn't have DVRs, we didn't have, there was no way, if you wanted to watch Star Wars, the only place and the only way you could watch Star Wars was by going to the theater. And you didn't know that it was going to, like, you didn't know that VCRs were going to be available in like five years. You didn't know that you were going to be able to watch this at home. 
the the time between a release in the theater and a release on TV was still years. So um, so you really, if you wanted to see this and you wanted to see it again and again and again, you had to see it in the theater. And so it got a lot of rewatch value just because of that. So the theater was always packed. Um, people were just loving this movie. And yes, during the, uh, especially the end, I can remember when, when the Death Star goes up, man, everybody just releases a, a, a good old fashioned yeehaw cheer. You know, I wasn't in the South, <laughs> so it wasn't quite a yeehaw, but it was just, it, it felt this that way. Um, it, it's, it was, and, and everybody feels good coming out of this movie. This is a good time. This is a feel good movie, right? So you come out and you're like, yeah, I'm like, I'm ready to take on the Empire myself, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's it, it was it was a great it was a great time. Cool, cool. Uh, as far as my reaction, I remember first seeing it, and my my re- my initial reaction is, "What is this?" And like, why haven't I seen this? Like, what I don't know what this is, but I like it. You know, they they turned on the lightsaber and I was like, I don't know what that is, but it's cool. Like <laughs> and that and then just like the uh the stormtrooper suits look so cool. And like the the thing that I took away from this is like this is a fun, very spacey, very cool adventure. I love Chewie. I thought R two D two and like C three PO were cool. Like I loved every bit of it. And I was just, I was blown away. And then to realize that after it went off, that, you know, on TNT, they'd probably be like, you know, like, and next up is the sequel coming in, in just moments after your commercial or something like that. Whatever they say. And I was like, hold on, there's more? <laughs> I was like, there's more of this? So pretty much I just sat down in front of the TV for the rest of the day and I was just, I was blown away. Like, I, I, was, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And I didn't know movies. I wouldn't be blown away like that again as far as movies were concerned until I saw Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and that was on like a effects level. Like Terminator 2 was just like mind-blowing mm-hmm. um, because I'm also a big action guy. But, you know, nothing blew me away like Star Wars, man. Like when I saw it, and I, I can't even imagine seeing it on a big screen because, you know, I'm looking at some little TV, like, you know, like you're whatever, like 17 inch or like 22 inch or whatever, you know, like, like the regular TV of the day. Right. Like, <laughs> and it just, it really, it really just impressed upon me how great this series was. Yeah. I, I remember coming out of the, um, coming out of my first viewing, I obviously, like I said, it was probably on TV and just feeling total joy and like immediately taking on the characters right like and and not just one of the characters but like all of the characters you're like okay where is the lightsaber i need a lightsaber right now and i need to be like swinging it at people right like not people i mean (laughs) bad bad guys bad guys we need to be taking on evil and then it was like uh you know i always gravitated towards my, my my brother and i would play with my cousin and she would always be leia um, and then he would always be Luke and I would always be Han. And it was always just like we'd be running around just creating new adventures because there was just something about this film. You know, there's the dream of becoming something significant, coming from a very insignificant planet with very yeah. insignificant life for the most part and becoming significant. And this and being able to take on evil. Um, coming from insignificance to take on evil is just amazing. So you just throw in 
lightsabers and spaceships and aliens and death stars and it's just like mind-blowing to a kid to be able to watch that and i i would say uh i would agree with you um mike gordon like it's life-changing in a way because you're like i'm always going to be in love with cinema because cinema can do this um yeah that's just outstanding so really 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 enjoyed that uh really quick to both of you guys how many times have you tried to use the force <laughs> a lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Man, as a kid, I tried to move everything. Like I even like, and I and I was like, I was like, okay, maybe if I start small, you know, I'm st- I'm too. Maybe if I could just move this pencil, if I could just <laughs> if I could just move the pencil that's really small, you start it's baby steps, and then I can move like a car. <laughs> Anytime I'm too far away from the remote. Yep. Oh yes, I still do that every <laughs> now and then. Yeah. I reach out that, that is hand. the ultimate evil that could be overcome exactly. right there. <laughs> you know, every time, every time you walk through an automatic door, you got you've got to kind of just feel like, oh yeah, I could just move. It. <laughs> yeah, I did. That. <laughs> okay, from here on out, we're gonna get a little bit more serious. There's a couple questions that are very serious in here, and I think that the movie actually prompts them. So I'm, I'm not only the movie, but where our culture is at. Um, but this third question, and I'm going to have you answer it first, Mr. Young. Um, we get this introduction to the Galactic Empire. And even in the, in the crawl, the opening crawl, we get this descriptor that the Galactic Empire is evil. So my question to you, Mr. Young, is, and then eventually you too, Mr. Gordon, what makes the Galactic Empire evil? Um, I, think, I think the main thing that makes them evil is how they rule. And um, I, I want to say Tarkin says this, but he was, uh, he said that they rule through fear, you know, and like, you know, this battle station will kind of like get everybody else in line. And whenever you rule through fear, you know, that's, that's a level of oppression that people are going to soon want to get out from under, you know, uh, hence the rebel, the rebel Alliance. But uh, it's, you know, just seeing how casually they throw that term around, you know that these people are, they don't have the, the galaxy's best interests at heart. Um, it's more about power for them and, you know, than actually like creating a, a democratic society or, well, I guess in this case it's an empire, so it wouldn't be, but you know what I mean. It, yeah. It's not really about serving the people. It's about more power. It's about people fearing you. It's about being in control. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what really, that's what really kind of like motivates them. And I think that's why they're evil. Mm. What about you, Mr. Gordon? They are uh, flat out evil because uh, they, uh, uh, well, they, look, I mean, we were introduced fairly early on to um, a, a, a guy who's dressed in black who is uh, tearing through people and torturing people. And yeah. even when he's told, you know, wait till the Galactic Senate hears about this, he's like, I don't <laughs> care. Like, I just, I, I'm on a mission and I, I've got to get, uh, I've got to get the data here and uh, I can, I have the ultimate power to do whatever's necessary. And not only do I have power um among uh, all you people like i could that i can do what i want um legally quote unquote but 
because uh, I'm not fr- afraid of any legal ramifications. But I also have mystical power that I can use to choke you. Like, like mm. this is a yeah. this is a very scary person that's that that has powers, and he's using them not in a way like to you know soothe your soul. He is using these <laughs> powers to to torture and to kill. And, and for his own purposes, and we find out it's not even really directly for his purpose. Uh, of course, casting. Um, uh, um, now, see, I just drew the blank, right? Um, uh, oh, David Prowse. No, no. Um, as uh, you know, uh, Tarkin. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Peter uh, Cushing. Yeah, is... as, as yes, Cushing. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. So casting him is an easy shortcut to like this guy's evil, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. right, right, right. But. But he's, you know, he relishes his speeches, and when he says, you know, uh, when they have the the meeting, which is really the only time we get their point of view, right? When they have the meeting, when he says, you know, they said, well, the Galactic Senate's no more. Now we are, we're we're it. We've won. We're we're in control. So they've already they've already seized power, right? Of the whole mm-hmm. ga- of this part of this galaxy, and yet they still find it necessary to complete this weapon. That will destroy worlds so they can rule by fear. That's just plain mean. Like, and <laughs> and, and they use it just uh, like they destroy a planet that is peaceful, and they don't they don't argue that they're like, yep, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on that planet, but we're gonna just wipe it out simply to make a point. Yeah. Um, and these are not nice people. These are evil people. Yeah, absolutely. This I, I agree with you both. Like the the fear aspect of it is for sure true, and it shows up in so many different ways. They they create masks that they hide behind, yeah, right? good so point. that they can use terror to scare other people into obedience. Um, and I think that, that to a large extent, and this is actually revealed even more through the prequels, which we've already covered, and you can go back to listen to all those podcasts, but. George's George Lucas is out to say that freedom and democracy are always at risk of being taken over by an occupying force that has an agenda um, that will end freedom and democracy. And I'm just I was reflecting on this, and and maybe you can talk a little bit about this too, um, Mr. Gordon. Um, but you know, this is 1977. We're still embroiled in the Cold War. Uh, there's still an arms race. I mean, the fact that you would create a Death Star is not unlike the Soviet Union saying, well, we have a nuclear arsenal, right? And then the U.S. also saying, well, we have a nuclear arsenal as well. So uh, there are elements of this that are that are true to its time um, and are probably... I mean, how would you respond to that? Do you remember that being a thing? I remember that being a thing when I was a kid, still, in the 80s. I do. Oh, yeah. I was, you know, only like eight or nine when I saw this. So, obviously, um, I wasn't, like, really tuned in to a lot of stuff. But yet, you know, um, my my grandfather fought in World War II. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, things like uh, Pearl Harbor and certainly uh, the Nazis were they weren't just a thing that we read about in books. I mean, we knew people intimately. We knew people that had fought these folks, you know? Yeah. yeah. And they were, uh, and, and yeah, there was a, it wasn't until I think a few years later, but there was a dark cloud around us in terms of, you know, um, of, of some sort of nuclear war happening between us and the Russians. And that was, you know, it was, it was, it was a little tense. Right. Um, we were not, uh, uh, yeah, it was it was a tense world, but I don't, 
You know, I, I actually don't, from my point of view, I didn't really see that as being, like, the Star Wars being reflective of that. Mm. Um, it's possible that, uh, it, it, you know, that George was um, a lot more than, but it, I, I'm glad he didn't make that. I mean, certainly he used shortcuts, right? I mean, yeah. because he, he, he had the Empire dressed like, basically like Nazis, right? right. The, the, certainly the officers, you know? Um, and he did make it a point when he cast the film. Now, this isn't, <laughs> you know, um, uh, but he did make it a point that he wanted the rebels, for the most part, to be played and to have, a, you know, to sound American, whereas he wanted the Empire to be English. And, you know, so there was, uh, with some exceptions. Uh, but um, so I did think that was kind of interesting because he did want to separate uh, that there was a clear line that people could hear yeah. Um, even if they uh, unconsciously that they could tell these these two groups are different. Yeah, definitely. Hey guys, pardon my brief interruption here, but do you need a new pair of headphones? If you do, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Urban Vinyl. They make premium wood headphones that look amazing. But here's the thing: they're made by audiophiles for audiophiles, so they sound as good as they look. In fact, reviewers have called their headphones the best headphones on the market, better even than Bose and Beats. And you know what? I agree. They're what I use when I record this podcast. Please consider purchasing a pair using the link in the show notes. If you click the link to their website and use the promo code J, my name, my first name, J-A-Y, super simple, you save 15% and Urban Vinyl will make a donation to the Reclamation Society. So if you need headphones or you're looking to upgrade the pair that you currently have, definitely take a look at what Urban Vinyl has to offer. Click the link in the show notes to visit their website and use my name, J-A-Y, to get the 15% discount. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay, so I have this this question. We'll, we'll start with you, too, on this one, Mr. Gordon. What's the end goal for the Empire? Like, what is actually motivating them to be evil? Um, the... <laughs> We don't obviously the later films and especially the prequels give us a lot more insight as to what's going on behind the scenes. That when we first watch New Hope and the events of New Hope, we don't even know. Well, I think the Emperor is mentioned, hmm. but there he's not. We don't know the full extent of how much he's controlling everything and what his goals are. Uh, all we know is that uh, this group of, of folks um, wants complete control over the galaxy. Um, and, and that seems to be their, uh, you know, their, their quest. That seems to be their mission. And by the time the movie starts, they get it. You know, they, they've already disbanded the Senate. The Emperor's in complete control. The res- what did they say? The governors are control. Uh, that's how they're going to control each one of the systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they're, they're there. All they have to do is maintain it. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think it's all about control. Um, you know exactly where that comes from is much deeper than I might be able to get into right now. But <laughs> as far as the movie goes, we're not given like a clear. It's not like a vengeance thing. It's not like a you know there's some master plan. As far as as opposed to like there's just a group of people that that want control and order of the galaxy um, at any cost, and they are really willing to. Uh, to, to do so by by evil means. Um, the other the only other sort of see the thing that we get on the other side of it is with the confrontation that uh, 
that token uh, that token that Tarkin has <laughs> that Tarkin has with Princess Leia, where she's you know she says you know the, the tighter you guys sque- uh, squeeze your grip, the, the more star systems are going to slip through your fingers. So there, th- it's just a matter of they're trying to control the gal. It's just a simple matter of they're trying to control, and the the rebels are trying to to get to a little bit more space to to breathe. Hmm. Absolutely. So, what about you, Mr. Young? What, what's your take on that? Um, I see it kind of, kind of like three things, and they're sort of, sort of, kind of involved with each other. But one is to have unchecked power, um, because right now, like you know, like they say at the beginning, they dissolve the Senate. So that was one little thing that probably could have sort of checked them. Then now they're going after the Rebel Alliance because they're the only thing. Because of course. You know, it says in the crawl that there's been like a little the the uh, the Rebel Alliance. You know, has taken plans. They had the you know the Empire has like a little bit of dirt on its face. You know, so it's you know they want to quench this issue before it becomes bigger. Hmm. Um, so unchecked power, they don't want that. And then of course, men with power that of course are evil want more power. And then the last thing is fear. They're actually the the insecurity in this is that they're scared of losing power um so of course in that fear you have to react in force so in being afraid of losing the power they have to use their force to make sure they subjugate everyone possible so that's kind of like what their their end goal has kind of sort of already been the main part has already been achieved but now it needs to be unchecked so it's like they have to make sure that like there's nothing else. We got rid of the Senate. Cool, they're gone. Now, all right, there's this little rebe- uh, rebellion thing. They want they got a little teeny victory, but we got to make sure that's where it ends. Like we can't let it go any further. Yeah, yeah, that's really good, and I totally agree with both of you. There's this anytime we see evil. Oftentimes it can be traced back to a need for self-protection or an or a perceived need for self-protection because it's usually perceived Um, and in that fear The only way that the people see how to fight back with that fear is to actually use fear as a weapon and so I think um, And I I think you were you're accurate um, Mr. Gordon, in saying that, well, this film doesn't really take us there per se, because it doesn't really give us some of the background that we now all know because it's become such a part of our fandom. Um, But as I reflect on what some of the things that we've seen in the prequels, I mean, we have someone in Vader who grew up with fearing the world around him and what it what was, you know, causing that fear. It was this lack of control he had over factors in life that he, like you were saying, I need to control these things. I have to step in to do something about this because without this, it's basically anarchy. If you look at Anakin looking at Watto, or if you look at um, Anakin, who, by the way, Watto owned the slaves. He owned him, he owned Anakin and he owned Shmi. And then you look at the sand people and the sand, what the sand people were doing. And for someone like Anakin, who then becomes Vader, the answer is, there are these wild elements of the galaxy that must be tamed in order for me to create a safe environment. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to use fear to be able to create that. And in doing so, then, of course, I will enslave everyone to my will as opposed to theirs. So I think evil is an interesting concept that as we deconstruct it, we can kind of see like, oh, wow, evil actually stems from fear. 
um, which I think George has actually done a pretty good job of showcasing in all the films. So, um, good job, guys. We we are going to get into two really deep questions that are very topical. And by the time this podcast comes out, um, you know, there'll probably be a few more weeks separating us from this event. But um, we dive deeper on this podcast, and I don't think we want to ignore this kind of topic. Um, and you guys are both returning guests, so <laughs> you're gluttons for punishment with my deep questions. Um, but we had this horrific, egregious event go down in Charlottesville, um, where we actually learned that there uh, were neo-Nazis and fascists um, living here in the United States. Um, and when you look at the Galactic Empire, we're essentially seeing a fascist government. Um, I don't know of another way to say it. It looks and sounds and feels and acts like a fascist government to me. And so I just have to ask, why does this element exist in our culture? Obviously, Star Wars is saying that it exists in its story. Why are we seeing this element exist in our own culture? And why are these groups forming? And I'll ask you first, Mr. Young. Um, I think it's it's very similar to kind of like what we were talking about as far as fear. Um, there's this idea um, that seems to be very prevalent and you know like a, like say neo-Nazis and fascists they've been around for a while and they've had their demonstrations um, before like even you have like a movie like American History X or something mm -hmm. like that um, where you know you could see that you know people kind of galvanized around that ideal that feeling um, but there's always been an idea of either history being forgotten or something that they own is being taken away or that they're being marginalized or something that they have is being lost um, or forever taken away, um, which is kind of like uh, which is kind of an idea, like an idea that, you know, different like, say, media groups or different like um, websites or whatever have kind of helped push to kind of, I guess, keep the flames burning over time. And I believe that a lot of these people are afraid of something that isn't really happening, but they've been told it's happening so much. And with the use of anecdotal data, like, oh, it's happening in this one area. So it's definitely happening to the whole country. Um, and now they, they believe it wholeheartedly that if we don't fight back, then we will lose something or we will lose this. Or in this case, um, we had Charlottesville and I'm from Virginia. So in Charlottesville, um, they were uh, voting to take the statue Robert E. Lee down. So if we were to put this in empire terms, say there was a statue of like the, uh, of Palpatine or something and they wanted to, well, it would be a little different because they already won. But you know, like, uh, yeah, but, but um, they're going to take the statue down and you have a lot of people coming to protest taking it down because they think that taking that statue down means that somehow they've lost something. When in all reality, nothing has changed. The world will continue to spin and you know, everyone will you know, still get up and go to work tomorrow or you know, people will still eat dinner tonight. You know, nothing will change. The only difference is that this symbol uh, of oppression, at least for a certain group of people in this country, will be removed. And I think that's very important to make sure that, you know, we can remove those. But from a from a fascist perspective, they think that they're losing something mm. and they're, what they're losing is a symbol 
of what they believe power. But what they see as power is subjugating someone else, which is a psychological issue where you only feel power unless you're hurting someone. Or if you only feel power unless you have one up on someone else. That's an insecurity issue, um, which is inside of these groups as well, which is a larger issue to deal with. But <laughs> but um, I think these groups exist today because there is a large there's a large sense of insecurity in, in everyone in, you know, in society generally. But when you focus that insecurity and that fear around, say, your personal identity as opposed to someone else, then you can say someone's taking my country or you can say someone's taking all my jobs or you can say um, someone's taking, you know, somebody's taking all my women or something like that. You can make these kind of general statements when they're not really true, but if on an anecdotal level, like you know two or three people that can agree with it, then they can find those others and they're like, oh yeah, I think that happens. And then you have this movement that becomes violent extremely fast because they believe that they're losing something. Mm -hmm. And that fear turns into violence pretty quickly. Um, And I think what we're dealing with now is you have someone who's run for two years that has kind of given these people the uh, the idea that it's okay to feel how I feel, because for so long they've been told, "Hey, man, nothing's you're you're not losing anything. Like you shouldn't feel like this. It's wrong to feel like this." But I think they've felt emboldened lately because of someone like our current president or the the um, administration has been like, "Oh well, news is false." And I think this is a slippery slope because when we start to sort of defraud the media. Uh, which is supposed to be a way to check the government, which is, of course, we go back to having unchecked power. Um, when you start to attack the, you know, the, the journalist or whatever and saying everything that they say is false, well, then you don't have to kind of like make it illegal to be a news reporter if you make everyone believe that all they do is lie. So you have this kind of like air of of kind of like pushing towards a very empire-like state, uh, but just very slow. And we saw that in the prequels. But of course, I guess we're only talking about New Hope, but you know, <laughs> in the prequels, you saw democracy sort of kind of like erode away. And we're seeing those types of things now. And I think, I think we're sort of getting into a very dangerous place because of the level of insecurity and false fear, I think. Mm. So yeah. Mm. Really, really good take. What about you, Mr. Gordon? What do you think? How can I follow all that? Um, Excellent points, Mr. Young. Um, uh, You know, it's it's unfortunate, but a lot of this has uh, has been around for heck long, way longer than uh, I've been along, way longer than actually even the Nazi Party has been around. So, um, uh, as as you know, as as I think it's. One of the things that, of course, is in our DNA is that we're afraid of change uh, because change could mean something bad. So, um, uh, so if you extend that and you take that to the extreme, then that means that all you really appreciate is the status quo, and uh, you don't like people or anything that's different from you, uh, anything that's going to shake up the norm uh, you're opposed to. And so you get groups that uh, of people that that share that experience, and then they get together. And you know, I think the one of the main things that's happening now, the one of the reasons why it's so prevalent now, like it was 
uh, even in like in Germany in the 30s was that you know uh, at, in periods of great um, economic depression where you have a loss of the middle class the middle class is, is so important and one of the you know not just for economic reasons but it also serves as a buffer you know so that um, so that you have that sort of group that sort of is the middle like really literally the middle class and they're between like the people who'd have nothing and the people who have everything because if the people who have nothing and and uh, uh, go up against people who have everything there's a lot of hate and resentment there mm-hmm. and so you get all these conflicts you know um and and so and we were we're seeing you know in our current economic uh, development right now that the uh, middle class has been more and more squeezed out so so that you're having more and more confrontations between the haves and the have-nots right um, but uh, that said you know that's there's uh, you know as far as as I can remember I can remember when I was young uh, on TV watching, uh, I think it was 1982, 83, somewhere in there, and I was watching the Blues Brothers on TV and seeing the the Nazi group that's there, the Chicago Nazis, and uh, I was watching it and I was sort of laughing at them. I was like, they're just so stupid. That's like stupid. There's not Nazis, right? And, And my dad, who grew up in Chicago, uh, actually sort of just pulled me aside and said, that's real those are that's a real thing and i was like what and he's like yes like don't think that the nazis were defeated in germany and just went away Mm. like that's real and uh and so i've kind of like you know been aware of of these pocket groups of nazis all over the country for i mean not like specifically like tracking them myself but um just sort of aware that that's something that's out there um, and that, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, like you said, Mike, I mean, it's just, you know, when there's these incidences now and we seem to be in an environment where there's some people in authority that are actually giving these people more of a voice than they've ever had before. And and they're taking that to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two fantastic takes. I don't have much more to add. I will say that and you guys already kind of mentioned this to a degree, but the scariest thing about all of this is that I don't think that it always starts from a bad place. The seeds of discontent, the seeds of fear, don't always start from a bad place. There are times when people are really going through hardship. So, and you brought up um, the actual uh, fascist party in Germany. I mean, when Hitler rose to power, that country, Germany, was experiencing severe economic turmoil. And I think that mm-hmm. when we see these things, when we see these kinds of groups and these kind of governments rise to power, there are two elements. One is it has to start with people fearing something, whether it's change, whether it's actual uh, economic downturn, whether it's um, disadvantage, whatever it is, there's a fear that then becomes a catalyst. And a leader comes along and says, you know what, if all I have to do is create a villain for these people, they're already fearing something. They want something to fight. All I have to do is create a villain. And if I villainize you know, a group of people, or if I villainize it's generally a group of people or multiple groups of people, then they have a target. And if they have a target, they will want to fight back against that target. And that's a really, really scary thing that I think not only is it applicable for those of us who are clearly uh, going to tell you that Nazis are 
terrible and you should never ever ever even think of condoning that thought process but it's it should be a, a point in, um, for us to stop and go where do i have fear that could be um, eating away at some of my better judgment calls as well and how can i come get over that fear how can i surround myself with people who are going to to support me despite that fear as opposed to lashing out against something that i could find as a villain um, I'm just glad that we're dealing with these subjects in film. I mean, I, I don't know that that George like sent out like set out to say like, oh, I'm gonna create like this like fascist power. That I don't know if that was just like it just came <laughs> out. But I'm really glad that it gives us a chance to talk about these things because these things are real today. Like yeah. it's, it's like Michael said uh, earlier. It's like that's he gave us that little thread that yep. if you want to pull on and find out more information about and and really delve into, you can exactly. Exactly. So thanks for going with me there. I have a slight tweak on this question that I also want to ask you guys. Um, and I'll start with you on this one, Mr. Gordon. Um, so Lucas clearly portrays the Empire as evil. Like he says they're evil in the crawl. Um, he portrays them as evil. You described like how Darth Vader shows up. <laughs> Obviously, you both described it, actually. Like when he shows up, it's just this dude is evil. Like there's there's no question, right? Like, um, But there's been this interesting thing that's happened over time in our in our country and I, I can't necessarily just jump out and criticize it per se because we've actually started to embrace the galactic empire in many ways i mean i see people with galactic empire t-shirts that have the logo on it and i see uh you know people dress up like stormtroopers and i i have i have a boba fett t-shirt it's one of my favorite t-shirts and the dude, I mean, the dude's a bounty hunter, and his, his, which I could probably get around and say that there's probably an excuse why someone could be a bounty hunter. And then he names his ship Slave One, and you're like, ah, I, I don't know, maybe yeah. that's not what he's referring to. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but, like, I mean, we, we, our culture has sort of embraced some of these things that are called evil. And I don't think that most people are doing that out of, like, a desire to somehow support fascism. But. Do you think that that even though George Lucas set out to portray those people as evil, do you think that as we've looked at merchandising and as we've looked at all these things, has that influenced our culture in negative ways to embrace villainy in some ways that may be harmful to us long term? <laughs> wow. This is like, this is such a, uh, uh, you know, and in some ways this is the age-old question, why do good girls like bad boys, right? <laughs> Um, uh, because uh, you do have sort of that like what's our romanticism our love affair with bad guys you know you've got that you know whether it's Dracula or whether it's uh, you know Darth Vader you know it's kind of the Joker is another one Harley Quinn mm -hmm. you know there's that sexiness to being a bad guy being bad right mm -hmm. because the rules don't apply to you you know the wild one and uh, that's attractive to a lot of people so so you've got that element going on so I'm going to leave that on the table there for a little while. But uh, in particular, when it comes to Star Wars and the Empire. Um, now, like I said, I've hinted at it before, but Lucas made several shortcuts and in, in, in saying that these guys were evil. I mean, he hires Peter Cushing. He hires, <laughs> you know, he has uh, he has guys uh, dressed like Nazis. 
Um, so you can recognize what they are. Um, the stormtroopers. He calls them stormtroopers. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, he's taking a lot of pages out from the Nazi book, right? Well, and the Nazis were very successful. I mean, in, a, in, in one thing that you have to sort of, you know, tip your hat up to them is that they were very, very successful when it came to propaganda, right? Mm. The propaganda of the Nazis was, was so successful. I mean, they were able to convince entire countries to go along with them and do things that, and, and normal people that, you know, they would be neighbors with a group from one for, you know, for years and not even think anything of it. They're just, those are the neighbors. Then the next thing you know, like they're all of a sudden they're like, oh, we need to, you know, uh, uh, boot them out of the country or worse. Right. right. So, um, so the propaganda machine was, was amazing. They had great PR people. They had, they made great posters. They, everything that they did from their uniforms to uh, their, their films, their music, the music that they used to successfully sell their idea. And, and so Lucas steals a lot from that. And, and I think in doing so, it's hard not to be attracted to those things. It's, not, it's hard not to be attracted to the, the look of Star Wars. It's hard not to be attracted to the look of Darth Vader. Um, uh, even uh, the Death Star itself, it's this ultimate weapon of destruction, yet it looks so cool. Um, hmm. uh, so I think that's, and it's hard to ignore that. Now, I do think for the most part... Uh, 90% of people, especially uh, our generation, um, and I say ours, I'm using even though I'm old. <laughs> I'm going to say that, you know, we we kind of grew up with imagery, right? By Now, that's not to, I mean, there are some, like, I can remember back in the days, like, people used to get typecast. Because if you saw someone on television, you actually thought, you know, whether it was an actor or whatever, you thought that's what they were. That's who they played, right? They were their characters. Mm. Um I've, I've seen articles that said that we were the first we because we grew up with television we and we grew up with it as kids we were the first um, generation that that saw the ads for toys got the ads that were that we saw on the ads and got them home and went these don't work like they said they would that's crap right so hmm. we were the first ones to be um, disappointed in imagery and to all of a sudden grow up not believing in that imagery so we would sort of look at it and take it on its own merit and separate it from sometimes the message. So I do think that there's an element of that where you'll see uh, people can appreciate the design of Darth Vader, but that doesn't mean if they dress up like Darth Vader, they want to go slaughtering younglings, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, uh, they, you know, there's a 501st, right? And, and, and they've managed to not only separate that imagery, but actually spin it. So you've got a group out there called the 501st, which dresses up like stormtroopers and other Imperial officers. And what is their main job? In addition to like going to cons and having fun, they go to hospitals. They, they do charity work. They have benefits. They help people. Um, they do the exact opposite of what the Empire <laughs> does in the, in the, in the movies. Um, and I think it's just brilliant. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I, I credit them. I mean, so I, I think, you know... For all the 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 flack that, that this gets, and I do hope that the current environment that we're in doesn't change that. Doesn't mean that like so. If you now are at a convention, you see someone dressed as a stormtrooper, or you see someone dressed as the Red Skull, you're not going to think that the person behind the mask is automatically 
uh, of that same, you know, the, the, the same disposition that they're going to be a white supremacist or anything like that. So um, I, I trust that we're still of the mindset that we will believe that the people just appreciate those images. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really good. What, what about you, Mr. Young? What do you think? Yeah, those were those were pretty, you know, pretty much, you know, a slam dunk on it. The only thing I'd probably add is to say, like, as a whole, a lot of people love when you don't have to restrain yourself and villains don't have to restrain themselves. Mm. You know, good guys have to find restraint. They have to have discipline. Bad guys don't. So they love that idea of I can let go. I don't have to worry about whose feelings I hurt. I don't have to worry about who cares. I can do whatever I want. Um, and I think there is there is kind of, there is, you know, like you said, a romanticism to that. Like, I would love to just do whatever I want and don't, and don't worry about how anybody feels about it. You know, I can be as mean as I want and I never have to say sorry. Or I can, you know, I can, you know, I don't know, embarrass anyone or hurt anyone or whatever and, you know, I can just smile about it. And it's kind of like when, on, I guess on a deeper level, it's the constant battle to keep yourself disciplined, which is what the, the Jedi deal with, you know. And then, of course, the Sith embrace that. So the Jedi are constantly dealing with keeping themselves disciplined, keeping themselves centered, keeping themselves, uh, I guess you could say, sort of, you know, civilized, um, as opposed to, say, someone like the Emperor who is just like completely power hungry. He makes no, uh, makes no apologies for it or whatever. He doesn't mind casting off anyone or killing someone or, you know, imprisoning anyone or anyone who's in his way, manipulating them, because that's what makes him, you know, that that's what fulfills his goal. And I think it's I think people that's why they romanticize. And of course, of course, in like uh, books and movies and TV, because it's I think there's a certain part of all of us that's like, man, I really wish I could just take this car and go down the street at like 150 miles per hour and not worry about a ticket. Mm -hmm. Or even if the cops came, not pull over, just keep going. You know, and, but then of course the, you know, the civilized part of us is like, no, you'll get arrested. You know, your wife will have to come and get you. You can't go to work on Monday or something, or, <laughs> or maybe your kids might think a certain way, or your parents might say this. And then you're like, okay, well maybe I won't go driving down the street. <laughs> so I think it's those things that kind of, the, People, you know, a little part of all of us, like, really wants, like, man, I really wish I could, I could just let go and go crazy. But the only thing is, you know, there's certain consequences that, you know, some people worry about and some people don't. Like, the Joker does not worry about those consequences. Darth Vader does not worry about those consequences, you know. But then, you know, people that are, you know, that are civilized, that have, you know, uh, more attachments or more, you know, family or whatever or more responsibilities, you know, they they can't really let go like that yeah those are those are both fantastic takes and i don't really have much to add to them um the one thing i will say is that i agree wholeheartedly i think for the most part what culture has done with those things what i what i personally have done with those things is is fairly harmless right um however i do believe that there's an element where i mean we are a people uh, as a people we have had we have used storytelling in the form of oral storytelling um, and written storytelling when we were able to start writing. Uh, we've used that as a means by which to pass down to the next generation important principles by which they should live. 
and so I think for the most part, when we do, when we when we embrace some of those things, some of the, the empire, you know, getting logo tattoos of the empire, like that, that doesn't make a person inherently evil. That just shows that they respect the stories that someone created, um, and may even add extra respect to those stories, like the five hundred first, and tweak those stories in a way that benefits, you know, the populace. But I do believe that there are elements of the culture who are not told those stories accurately. And this is the, the age-old debate, right? Like, do video games turn people into mass murderers? And the answer is no, but stories can. And if we tell the wrong stories or if we somehow get off track to having, like you said it yourself, your dad pulled you aside, mm-hmm. Mike Gordon, and said, that's yep. real. Like that, it might be funny, and like that might be a thing, but at the same time, like just know that that is a real thing, and I think we need to do the same thing. So even as we embrace some of those things, even as we have T-shirts that have those things on them, we also need to remember that if the story isn't told the way that it was intended to be told, we could make the villains the heroes by mistake, and somewhere down the line that could turn for someone into something that they want to pursue. That is it for today's podcast. Now it's time for you to share your thoughts on today's topic. Write us an email at hi at reclamationsociety.org or head over to one of our social media accounts and get in touch with us there. Links are in the show notes. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have an extra minute, write us a review or share this episode with one of your geek friends. All right, fellow geeks. As always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth. We'll catch you on the next podcast.